When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Party Down, Season 2, Episodes 1 through 5 are over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I am Dr. Amanda, and I know exactly what it means when I get an invitation to an Eyes Wide Shut party. <laughs> I have your that, that delightful laugh you hear is uh, from my wonderful co-host, Emily Fox, who I would be honored to have as either the turtle or the E in my entourage. <laughs> I appreciate that yeah. so much. Uh, <laughs> Did you do entourage, Emily? I watched a few episodes here and there. I never really got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it felt like something that Josh watched for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was just because it was on after another show we were watching mm-hmm. or, or how that really panned out. It's, yeah. it's hard to remember because that feels like a real throwback. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a long time ago. <laughs> but yeah, that was always a really intense show, I felt like. And it, mm-hmm. it had a lot of masculine energy. And I, yeah. I kind of felt like... I don't need to stick I, around for too I much feel of like this. it was like HBO's answer to like Sex in the City is yeah. for is for the girls mm-hmm. and now we need something for the boys. Correct. Correct. Although I will say watching characters like Johnny Drama show mm-hmm. up in other shows like 24 season <laughs> one, I think. Uh-huh. I was just thrown by that. I was like, mm-hmm. oh wait, he did other things. <laughs> like, you know, there are a lot of ways in which uh those characters have have sustained in pop culture. Yeah. It had it had its moment, I think. Um <laughs> as sure. as evidenced by its reference here in Party Down. Correct. Um, So um, we're here today to talk about the first half of season two. We are now in season two, Emily. Yes. We will, in these five episodes, we will endure the full arc of new Ron and get all the way around to new, new Ron. (laughs) Very excited about that. Henry's tenure as team leader. Lots of great stuff that we're going to get into. Um, So um, we're talking about this today. We're going to be covering the rest of season two, leading into season three, um, having a lot of fun. So you're going to want to follow our RSS link and subscribe to postshowrecaps.com slash party down. Um, subscribing is really important. It helps people find us. We really want to build our audience as we go into season three. Um, So, you know, you can also search for Post Show Recaps Party Down in your podcatcher of choice and give us a rating, give us a review. Um, I can't wait to see the feedback card on this one, Emily. I really feel good about it. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, this has been a really fun journey so far, but uh, season two, episodes one through five. Wow. It's just, you know, you're seeing everybody kind of fresh-faced, having taken a, taken a break from season one, and mm-hmm. then coming back to show us new episodes. Where has everybody landed? How mm-hmm. are things going? So, yeah, it's it's just very fun ride. Yeah, a little bit of time has passed between season one and season two. Like when we come back, we know that 
Um, Casey has gone on her cruise. Correct. Um, relationships have flourished mm-hmm. in the in the in the interim. Um, Ron has had a whole second career. <laughs> it Come- feels a little brief, but yeah. <laughs> We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get we'll, we'll we'll get into it all. Um, let's jump right in to uh episode one of season two, which is Jackal Onassis backstage <laughs> party. This episode aired on April twenty third of twenty ten, directed by Brian Gordon and written by John Enbaum, Rob Thomas, and Dan Etheridge. Dan Etheridge, who retweeted one of my tweets this week. Ooh, I didn't catch that. (laughs) Good on you. We'll get there when we get there. Um, All right. So, um, yeah, so this is a backstage party for a sort of Marilyn Manson-styled rock star um, called Jackal Onassis, who is portrayed by the great Jimmy Simpson. Um, Emily, are you familiar with this actor, Jimmy? Yes, Simpson? I am. I think I've, I've watched him play a lot of kooky roles, uh, whether it be in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. This obviously is a standout role, I think, for him, too. I think he really loves rolling up his sleeves and being a super creep. Yes. He's very, very skilled at it. So I love seeing him in this. And especially, you know, we watched him in Westworld, which I think was a much more serious dramatic role for him. But this kind of style that he brings to characters for for smaller screen tv shows i just can't get enough of i the second i watched the uh camera pan to him i was Mm -hmm. like oh right okay so this is excellent i love him i think jimmy simpson is so funny like i know him best from his always sunny role which is like kind of hard to watch it's so like (laughs) It's so cringy as yes. uh, the one of the McPoyle siblings. Yes. Um, and then obviously Westworld, I think, is like a, you know, a, a, a more, um, I mean, I know that Westworld sort of jumped the shark, but that was probably a higher profile, like for sure. big role for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he should be a bigger star than he is because every time I see him in one of these guest appearances, I think he's so hilarious and brilliant. Yes. Um, I'm just learning from his Wikipedia site that he was previously married to the great Melanie Linsky, oh. which is very exciting. But they divorced in 2014. Okay. Um, it looks like he might be on the market again. So, you know. If anybody- okay. Well, you know, you can play your cards right here, Dr. Amanda. <laughs> yeah. Say a few more yeah, kind I, words I, I, about I, I, I'm, I've spoken for. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jimmy. I just can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but um, so what Don't happened- hate me. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in this episode here is they're they're hosting this um, backstage party after a concert, um, and Jackal Onassis decides that he wants to get more of the experience of the common man and would love to switch place with one of the caterers. Um, and Roman um, is well, the person who jumps right up to the plate for this one and wants to be Jackal and have all of the women fawning over him and the fame and the attention that goes along with it. Um, of course, Roman can't pull it off. Um, and in the meantime, Ron comes back from his, uh, you know, what we learn is now the defunct Super Crackers franchise with his new girlfriend who is um, named uh, Mandy, Mandy. Yes. who is played by Aviva Bauman, who I think is one of the actresses from Superbad. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So she looked familiar to me. So there you yes. go. One of two Superbad um, 
cameos in this this episode stretch, um, who is a really big Jackal Onassis fan. And, um, you know, Ron tries to get her backstage to get an autograph and finds out that it was Roman all along. (laughs) Um, So that is our overarching plot here. Um, So, um, Emily, have you ever been backstage at a rock concert like this? Not anything that's this high profile. I think, you know, I've been to a bunch of concerts in my day, but I never wanted to sort of cough up the funds to be able to get access. And I, I, as much as I was in a music industry undergrad program, I think a lot of my friends were more involved in concerts than I was. I was always kind of on the side watching everybody else produce stuff. So I never got to do any of that cool, like hang out Mm -hmm. with the artist kind of vibe. But I have to imagine it's just, I mean, a lot of this is, is totally related to the type of music and the fan Mm -hmm. base, but this is a particularly creepy grouping where it's a lot of women throwing themselves at this huge rock star. Right. But that he's notoriously awful to them. And that's sort of a turn on for everybody. And it's just an accepted practice. And, you know, I think that there's some some real uh, ability to capture what actually happens behind closed doors with some of these these scenarios yeah. that they portray. Um, but the fact that Roman is stepping into this these uh, shoes and pretending to be Jackal Onassis and still failing, like oh, still being it's like so delightful. Yeah. yeah, like he's he's treating everybody poorly the way that he thinks he's supposed to, especially in this role as this like horrible guy, like you know this satanic rock star, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. Still yeah. cannot get any lift off of the ground with anybody like everyone's just like ew why are you talking to me this way like it's yeah. just not working and like I love the fact that Kyle comes over and he tries to make fun of Kyle where he's like what are you in like some cool like emo pop group and he's like actually it is emo and like everyone starts to giggle but then they're like wait I would come check you out that yeah, sounds pretty good like yeah, power emo list. yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I love how Roman is just has has so little game that even yeah. as Jackal Onassis, he can't Correct. get any traction. Like Jackal's yeah. advice is like you have to have total contempt for them, and he's like, "Yeah, I hate them." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, the problem is you can't want it. If you want it, they're not into it." It's like yeah. Zeno's paradox. Yeah. So yeah, Roman has no game. Kyle still manages to come and cloud him. It's hilarious that nobody seems to realize that this is Roman. Like yeah. no, like everybody goes. Well, even it. the manager who like, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning of the episode is kind of yelling at everybody based on on Jack Lonassis's rider, like, oh, he only eats triangles or like fives are important to him. And there are six layers to this sandwich. Mm-hmm. And how dare you guys, you know, screw the this pentagram. up. It's like giving Golda Meir a ham. Right, exactly. And so that guy doesn't recognize that um quote unquote Dennis who's behind Dennis. the bar is Jack Onassis actually like how does the the manager not know what he looks like <laughs> I, I so I love um Jimmy Simpson as Dennis the um the the uh the uh, the, the um the uh, alias of Jackal Onassis here. And like, and so, and Dennis, he really wants an authentic experience. He wants real life. He's sick of everybody being fake. So he pretends to be a bartender at Party Down. Only Henry and Roman know that he's Jackal. So he kind of cozies up to some of the 
other staff. Like he gets really involved in like this love triangle where Casey comes back. So Casey comes back triumphantly in this episode because Henry has to fire somebody for being really (laughs) bad at his job and they're understaffed. So, so Casey comes back and they just don't have time to connect, but you know, we know that Casey's seeing somebody now, Henry doesn't have the opportunity to tell her that he's still with Uda and, um, Dennis injects himself right into the middle of this. And he's the one who sort of tells Casey that Henry's dating another caterer named Uda. Right. Um, Casey obviously has a reaction to this. Um, and is getting really awkward. Um, we're also introduced in this episode to a new caterer, Emily. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have Lydia, who's part Lydia. of the team. Yeah, so she's sort of picking up the slack for where we had uh, Jennifer Coolidge's character the last two episodes of season one, and also for Jane Lynch's character. So Lydia seems to be the older woman replacement, mm-hmm. basically, for yeah. that level. Um, but she's really excellent in this role. I think, you know, I love this character so much. She's so funny. She's mm-hmm. You know, she's a divorcee with a mm-hmm. daughter named Escapade, Escapade who wants to be an actor. <laughs> yeah. Which is, is and, and like, yeah. everyone's just like, wait a second, what? Like, even Casey's like, Escapade? Is that your horse? Like, and she's like, no, that's my daughter. And she's a like, beautiful oh, okay. name for a child yes. of any gender. Um, it's a wonderful right. name. It's kind of a different take on the the older lady, the middle, dare I say the middle-aged lady right. character who's like probably my age um, in this, in, <laughs> in this show. Cause like, instead of being a, a wannabe actress, we have like stage mom. So this is like a different person who would be in Hollywood. She's there because she um, wants uh, her daughter to break in to Hollywood. And she immediately wants to become, um, you know, kind of girlfriends, with Casey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh, I, I would love for you to t- teach escapade some, some tips on comedy. And like, wouldn't this be so great? And, you know, I think Casey's kind of game and also like this poor woman, she mm-hmm. seems lovely and nice. Like, okay, fine. Um, but yeah, I think Lydia as a character is just very, very yeah. great and, and an excellent addition to the cast. I just love yeah. her so much. Lydia's ex does not seem like a very nice person. No, he seems terrible. Very bad. <laughs> so I'm glad that Lydia left him. Um, that is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn more about him throughout these first five episodes because she just brings up these small anecdotes and, and memories. The that anecdotes like, are basically racism, yes. anti-Semitism, yes. a lot of misogyny. It's yes. like it's things Not having to do with her though. friend peg mm-hmm. like we just yeah. don't feel great about it so <laughs> but um, um yeah lydia well, works out with casey that they should have a sign if if casey's talking to henry and um and she gets uncomfortable the sign is going to be one hand on on the hip yeah that's kind of like no this isn't gonna work out whatever mm-hmm. um emily yeah. this can be our sign on the podcast i can't I'm even like trouble. see you halfway like you know we have cameras but it's mm-hmm. mostly just face on I'll, so. hike, I'll hike up a little bit so you can get the full effect <laughs> i'm wearing like a giant sweater today because mm. it's so cold out so you'll, you'll just see like what looks like a blanket but that's my arm <laughs> uh but overall i, I don't mm-hmm. expect to be uncomfortable the next like, okay. little while we should be okay <laughs> it's good to have a sign just yes in case. it is it absolutely is. If there's a bra- bathroom break, if we mm-hmm. need to just take five, maybe I'll I'll throw a, a hand on the hip. But I think we're good. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so Henry, um, like 
things are so so he so he's a little bit slow to be to telling Casey about Uda. He's also, you know, he's the guy in charge yeah. now. So he yeah. actually has he actually has things to do and responsibilities. So this is the beginning of Henry's team leader era. Um, you know, what do we think? Is Henry do we think Henry like Henry versus Ron? Who who do you think is has better team leadership? skills here well it's clear that henry is just like get it done listen to me on this we need this 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 and this done whereas ron is always trying to employ some sort of technique or way in Mm -hmm. which to improve everybody else but he's also working on himself pretty intensely as we've seen in season one um i think henry's probably a little bit more astute when it comes to just reading the client, understanding the room, knowing what needs to be done and executing on it. Ron, I think, gets totally swept up in whatever's happening episode to episode, party to party, and like obviously ends up, as we've we've predicted before, was this an upper or is this a downer for Mm -hmm. him? You know, so he really rides the wave wherever it's going. And, you know, I think the nature of events is such that there are a lot of you know, variables and things that you need to be able to read and understand and react to pretty quickly. But Henry's clearly more adept at this because he's just better at a lot of things than Rod is. He's just like a a generally kind of medium competent person. Yeah. 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 Um, He's got his demons, but, um, you know, don't we all? Don't we all? (laughs) Um, Speaking of Ron's demons, his lady friend, Mandy, like, who, who, like uh, Casey even makes the joke. She goes, what is she? 11. <laughs> She's so very young. young. Yeah. Very yeah. young with like, you know, Ron being like easily 43, 44. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This is, this is a wild age discrepancy here, but um, he calls, he calls her his lady friend. Mm-hmm. Um, while while Roman is really not able to you know maximize his position as jackal with a lot of women backstage, um, Mandy falls for it, and um, and yeah, asks, she's all in. She's all in <laughs> and asks him to you know to tattoo her on her person in all of the bathing suit areas. You mean not tattoo to just autograph? Oh, autograph her person. <laughs> Did I say tattoo? I was yes. Autograph her. Person. That would be really, really upsetting if ta- if he tattooed his name as like Roman yeah, on her. It's then, true. Yeah. We don't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roman makes a big goof here. Like, or or is, do you think is this intentional that he writes Roman De Beers instead That's of a good writing? Question. I mean, he's having trouble seeing people at this point because he had to take his glasses off in mm-hmm. order to play the part. So maybe he's just not thinking straight. I think we've watched maybe. However many, you know, scenes throughout movie and TV history where someone's pretending to be somebody else, they screw up and they sign the wrong name. Like classic line from Ghost, you know, (laughs) (laughs) this happens sometimes. So if you're not really thinking straight or you're really distracted by everything or, Speaking of the great Whoopi Goldberg. Funny, funny, despite, (laughs) funny, despite being a woman. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Just like Casey. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it does seem really, really hilarious, though, at the end where she's really excited and super mm-hmm. drunk and goes back up to Ron and goes, oh, my God, look, I got it signed. Look. <laughs> and she's just starting to, like, undress herself again and show him. And Ron looks closely and he's like, Roman. Oh, my <laughs> God, that's Roman. And so he freaks out, understandably. Mm-hmm. And and tries to kind of attack him. And everyone's just like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And, right. you know, 
it's it's pretty clear that you know they're not supposed to be there they got in and we're let in and the manager's really upset so he looks to henry and, and like because henry gets pointed out as being the person that let them through without having backstage passes yes and then we have the real jackal onassis or dennis, dennis as we've learned yeah who steps out into the limelight and goes you know what i let them in falls on the sword yeah <laughs> Falls right because he, as he we we've seen the entire episode he is craving a real life experience mm-hmm. so he looks to henry who as the consummate professional both in acting and in catering looks back to him and goes dennis you're fired and that seems to appease everybody in, mm-hmm. in the group and and you know they're able to kind of get past this but you know he Dennis, aka Jackal, is is so pleased to to experience being fired, and it's, it's a hysterical. it's a win it's a win win win. Um, yeah, yeah. De- yeah. Dennis gets uh, the authentic experience of being fired. There's actually it's, and it's funny like Jackal Onassis is his stage name. His real name isn't Dennis. At one point, right. somebody says, "What's his real name?" And we heard Dennis just mumble like it's like Walter Gerfel or something with <laughs> something else. I don't remember what it is. So. He gets fired. He's happy. Um, I guess party down, you know, you know, saves their reputation or right. whatever. Um, and um, and then at the end of the episode, Henry even goes to get um, Ron an, a real autograph right. from Jackal. So Mandy gets the autograph. Um, you know, Roman is probably like, you know, he got kind of clown, but um, <laughs> it's a relatively it's a relatively happy ending. Yeah. Um, Jackal and Henry are talking as he leaves and you know Jackal's sort of saying like you know Henry like I envy you and your life like with a real job and what do you do with your girlfriend he's like you know we're gonna eat leftovers and watch the mentalist on TiVo (laughs) Jackal just says I don't know what that is but then when like the supermodels swarm him he's like let's go to the hotel and watch the mentalist yeah I love that I love that so much just you know live in that a little bit longer before you Mm -hmm. go full Jackal again (laughs) You know, uh, but no, it, it's a very cute episode. I think it's a great way to kick mm-hmm. off season two. Um, and it's, it's, you know, really showing where everybody's landed. So I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought that, that this was a great first episode. Back. Yes. Yes. Is this a, so is this a Ron Donald do or a Ron Donald don't episode? I mean, he definitely goes through the ringer in having to kind of admit that Supercracker has failed. But mm-hmm. it also seems to have been a systemic issue. Like, they filed for bankruptcy. It's not mm-hmm. like he set soup on fire and lost the building or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem like it's the it's Ro- Ron's career fault. also seems to be a systemic issue while we're talking. Well, yeah. So he's, he's clearly <laughs> not doing so hot. But, um, you know, he... Seems okay. He's got this lady friend. He didn't get too drunk in the backseat. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> but hold, hold well, my beer because yeah. it's about to happen. Yeah. And, um, and Emily, so so new Ron's hair. The yes. the so the, this hairstyle. Mm. Wh- where do you rank this in the in the Ron Donald do's as in hair do's? Ooh, I love this. This is a great question. <laughs> I mean, I think we can all agree based on the canon of Ron generally. Mm-hmm. When he has longer hair, things tend to happen. Yeah, you know, and they might not be so great for him mm-hmm. when he's like high and tight. <laughs> he seems yeah. to be sober and kind of keeping it together. Okay. I mean, you're not able to completely get rid of how embarrassed you are for him in all of these scenarios 
collectively, but it feels like there's like a level of control when his yeah. hair is shorter. Yeah. When his hair is longer, you got to start to worry a little bit because it's, he's a little disheveled. Things have gone awry. It's true. It's yeah. sort of it's it's nineties bad boy. The yes. longer hair. Um, I think it looks a lot better on him. Yeah. But um, but you're right. It's usually a sign of a kind of deeper, <laughs> deeper uh, problem that's right. going on. And we've seen the preview for season three, correct? And we're not going to talk about it too much. Mm-hmm. But he does have longer hair at the beginning of that. So yes. that is kind of a, a tip off of like, how's Ron's life been the last yes. like 12 years? Yeah. Mm, we don't know. We'll we'll hold that thought. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Okay, um, so let's go on to Precious Lights Preschool Auction. This is episode two of season two, uh, directed by Fred Savage, our friend Kevin Arnold, and uh, written by Rob Thomas, John Enbaum, and Dan Etheridge. Uh, this is a preschool auction, um, <laughs> and... This is a uh, this is a uh, Ron is back with the party down team. Yes, uh, he because- so he's won his job mm-hmm. back through Henry, um, but it's not as team leader. He's just sort of his uh, one of the employees and staff that are showing up in the team. So he's kind of where Henry was back in the day. Um, and now they're working this auction, which is a fundraising event for a preschool, and it's hosted by um, Annie LaGrosse, who is played by Andrea Savage. Um, yes. And her motivation here is that she really needs to impress the chairwoman of this auction so that she can get a recommendation for her kids to get into the prestigious preschool, because if you don't get in the prestigious preschool, you don't get into the <laughs> your life's ruined. Kindergarten, yeah. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, your you know your kid is you know on the street or whatever. Yeah. That's 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 the reasoning. Yeah. Um. At this event, we're going to see a return of Leonard and Deandra Stiltskin, played by our friends uh, J.K. Simmons and Joey Lauren Adams, um, who are also trying to jockey for their child to get into this preschool by um, auctioning off a meeting with Tom Hanks, which Leonard is going to realize that um, he can't can't actually follow through on. Um, And this is going to lead to Casey helping um, the hostess um, with a scheme to sort of run up the prices so that they achieve their auction goals because uh, Leonard's going to have to buy his own 
buy out his own auction gift because uh, he can't uh, he can't actually make it happen. Um, which actually, Emily, this recently happened to me. I appeared <laughs> on the Rob and Akiva Need a Podcast episode, The Renap okay. White Elephant. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to get the gift that Akiva had bought, but he decided he would rather select his own gift than send me the gift that I was rightfully mine. So he oh, stole no. he stole his own gift from me. Oh. But it's okay. Everything worked out for the Okay, best. good. Good. <laughs> Don't harbor like, you know, bad feelings for this. It, oh. it happens. White elephant always brings out the worst in people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does. It's no, it's it's a brutal game. Um it is. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Andrea Savage Please. here because I love uh, her. She's great. She yes. was actually originally in the pilot played the role of Casey. I think oh, really? She, yes. I yes. didn't so know that. It took them a while of shopping the show around before it got picked up. And I think that, so that makes it even Savage funnier was originally in the role. And it's funny yes. because we see this, like that um, she and Casey bond and like yeah. in their, in their conversations, she mentions like that she used to be a comedian. She used to be right. groundlings just like Casey and that she, did the whole thing of auditioning and trying to make it. Um, and, you know, eventually she decided like, you know, to give up on that and, you know, go for the, you know, suburban housewife life, which is something that Casey at some point is auditioning, get her agent offers her, like finds a role for her where she would be playing a suburban housewife. And Casey's like, I can't, I can't do that. But then she sort of sees herself in um, Annie, in in this host, Annie, and um, they have that moment. But it, she sort of serves in this episode as like a future version of what Casey could be if at some point she like left her comedy career. Yeah, and I'm also thinking about how they're both talking about the audition process itself and how you were in a room for, full of people that all look exactly like you. Yeah, I wouldn't say that Casey and Annie look exactly alike. I think, you know, there is some you know resemblance perhaps a little bit but I love that they're talking about that I had no idea that that was the background that they could be those women auditioning for the same role yeah I'm looking looking at her Wikipedia page right now she was seen uh, so she was um, originally cast as Casey Klein in the unaired pilot but because she was pregnant Mm. she um, the role went to uh, Lizzie Kaplan when the show went into production so have you ever seen the show I'm Sorry by Andrea's savage it i have it was on true tv i think it's two seasons maybe three she is the lead in it and she wrote it and it's very much within the same realm of what the this character that she plays where she's a, a mom she's married and has a daughter they live in la the daughter i think is in preschool or maybe like kindergarten at this point and it's all about her being a comedian but also a mom and wow. like all of the craziness that ensues she's really excellent i loved seeing her in this in this episode and it was a great reminder of like oh yeah she has that other show that josh and i absolutely binged and totally enjoyed i oh, highly recommend awesome. it yeah, yeah. I'm looking at like, I mean, yeah, she, so I've seen, I've like, I've seen her cameo here and there. I haven't mm-hmm. seen, but I think she's great. She's great yes. in this episode. I'll definitely seek out more of the stuff that she does. Um, and, um, and this is also um, where Casey's going to find out that she's gotten her role in the Judd Apatow film, which is yes. potentially going to be the big break that, um, that validates every bad decision she's ever made in her whole life. <laughs> 
But unfortunately, like throughout this entire episode, she's just on her phone the whole time. Like she's like, you know, fielding calls from her agent, trying to figure out what's going on. She's like pissing off everybody who's at the party because her phone just keeps ringing. So it's like even if Apatow is like, you know, a stone's throw away, she's still working this like crappy catering job and like having to serve people wine and dealing with like all of like the the nervous energy of people bidding for certain things in the auction so it's very funny what do you think of her excuse that she can't put her phone on vibrate because these are her thick pants listen it was 2010 we were still in that ringtone phase where we thought like maybe this could be sustainable it's not my phone's been on vibrate for like 10 years at this point i think right like yeah ringtones are not a thing anymore boy were they exciting when they first came out (laughs) I bought ringtones that were so embarrassing that would go oh off in my, my old office. And I was like, oh, I thought I put it on silent. What was, what was your most embarrassing ringtone, Emily? Truly? Um, Ludacris's area codes. Great song. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that oh, went off one day so when happy. I went to the bathroom and I came back and I was like, no, no, no. And everyone was like, Emily, why did that go off? And I was so embarrassed about it. Oh. Um, still a great song i know all the words it's deeply deeply rooted in like a lot of stuff i used to listen to but like either way ringtones not a thing anymore not a thing anymore not like to hear the phone make noises (laughs) honestly a vibration would have been great for this especially Mm -hmm. when you work in events like you do not want to be the person that interrupts everybody else with your phone going off casey doesn't mind it doesn't really bother her clearly not (laughs) And also I'm like loving the like the subtle changes in some of the characters phones too because if you recall like the first few episodes of uh, season one she had this like white flip phone that looked like mm. really clunky and now yeah. she has like one of those like sliding track yes. ones where she like can open it up and like text a little easier oh. I forget what they were called. Um, yeah. And then everybody else has like flip phones too. You can see actually J.K. Simmons's character has like an earpiece that's like connected to his uh, flip phone. Yes. Like that was like starting to trend mm-hmm. in that direction at that point. Like walking around like you were like a little secretary with your little like <laughs> Bluetooth connector. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, what will we see in our 2023 party down I universe? No, yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe someone would make like an Android joke, and like mm-hmm. that would be as far as we yeah. go with it. Who knows? Who knows? But, um. So yeah. So let's talk. Uh, so um, what's Ron up to in this episode <laughs> when he first shows up? Ron he, watch. I love yeah. Ron watch. <laughs> He shows up and he has his lady friend Mandy there. At first, Lydia says, like, oh, so the new guy has a daughter, too. (laughs) Yeah. And he's, like, making out with her. And she's Mm -hmm. like, oh, oh, okay. Never mind. Like, (laughs) Lydia, so good. So good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Ron is, like, kind of struggling a little bit, I think, with the new role reversal. Right um vis-a-vis him and henry here he's like trying to give henry a hard time throughout the course of this yeah. episode by like acting taking it in and acting yeah out. yeah he's like henry i'm just you now i pop pills and drink on the job and henry's like can you not do that like can you just keep it together like i'm just trying to get through this day yeah at some point he says what's good for the goose is good for the gander and he's like that's supposed to mean the same rules apply for men and women and he's like well i'm a man and he's like yeah i know like oh god you're so bad at this Um, I'll just jump to this like the way that the episode ends is um, you know Ron is like 
telling Lydia, like, now I just need to run off with Casey and have sex like Henry used to do. And then Lydia sort of volunteers, like, will any coworker do? <laughs> so they go back into the prep tent. And um, basically, like, at first, you just hear these, like, wild noise, which I think Casey identifies as, like, is somebody slaughtering a buffalo? But it's... <laughs> But it's um, Lydia and Ron pretending to have sex. And like one of the details that I love is like Lydia's just slamming a baguette. On yes. The table. <laughs> totally true to true to life. I mean, mm. those noises definitely happen. <laughs> just bread hitting hitting a surface. And there's like, you can't handle the truth. Like lots of what. They... <laughs> um, but this whole thing ends up actually backfiring for everybody, really, because in addition to um, the the headmistress of the precious lights and the little lights dancers overhearing the whole scene and being very disgusted by it. Yes. Um, Mandy also comes, like, shows up and hears what's going on and yes. um, runs off with, leaves with Ron's car, um, leaving us to infer that this is the end of um, Ron and Mandy. And this is where the downer really starts to kick in mm -hmm, for him, I think, mm -hmm. because like we're starting to see that like, okay, like he's acting out a little bit, but like the loss of his lady friend yes. just feels like, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. So mm -hmm. we're going to see more of Ron kind of in a downward spiral moving forward, yeah. at least for the next few episodes. He also, has, comes back. he also has very vile pit stains in this episode. I forgot about that. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> there's a point where, like, you know, Henry's trying to be a good boss, but he's also like, like, you got to put on the windbreaker that I brought. Just put the windbreaker on. And we've watched, you know, the role reversal uh, in the first few episodes of of Ron running around trying to get people to wear the appropriate attire, mm -hmm. you know, the crisp white shirt episode right. one. So Ron's really not playing ball here. He's like, I won't put the windbreaker on. Ugh. And he like has no idea that his pit stains are that bad, even though <laughs> everybody's so reacting to them. You see him trying to fix a mic stand and his arm goes up and everyone's like, Oh, he like waves. Hello. Like, you know, he's just doing all the things with which to like reveal his armpits and it is vile. It's terrible. You know? Yeah. I almost felt like I could, I could smell them from just what, like, it's like, it was so evocative, Emily. It was like yes. a full sensory experience. For yeah. Me. Like, yeah. It's not great. We don't feel great good. about it. We could get him another shirt, you know, that would be helpful. <laughs> he just needs to be a little more self-aware, but it's clear that he is very distracted by everything else going on and the power struggle of Henry versus him so oh Ron let's just hope that you find some bleach in the future and work mm -hmm. your way through it so yeah. <laughs> yeah he had that stain stick on him in episode one I wonder what happened to <laughs> maybe his old hygiene kit I think it, he, it's definitely fallen off yeah um, you, there's no space in that yellow car for that you know that's really what it is yeah um <laughs> So in 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 the Roman and Kyle plot line here, um, they're they're both there's like a tit for tat thing going on. So yeah. Roman really wants this vintage X Men comic that's listed for much less than Roman knows that it's worth. So he needs eighty bucks so that he can buy it. Um, and Kyle is going up for this role of uh, Vitali Chernobyl, from beloved character from one of um, Roman's uh, sci-fi novels that he's aware of. And um, he wants tips on how to play this character. Um, and Robin, you know, doesn't want to help. 
obviously, because he's a jerk, but he does want the $80 uh, from Kyle. So, uh, you know, he gets when Kyle says denies him, he gets like really abusive to him and tells him like he's a terrible actor <laughs> and that whatever drama teacher like filled his head with these dreams. Yeah, yeah. Was, like, you know, was, yeah, so he tell, says those awful things. And then Kyle pretends to cry. Yeah. Um, which like fools Roman who then becomes like very nice and gives him compliments. And then he's like, you just took the act, the master class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there are moments like this sort of peppered throughout this, it's this entire mm-hmm. series where we watch Kyle just outsmart his way out of a situation ever so slightly, mm-hmm. but for the most point, like for the most part, he's always so dim and dull and does not yeah. understand what's going on. And, you know, we see that, so often but it is funny to watch him kind of catch roman off guard and have roman think that he really did upset him it it is a little bit of a dumb and dumber thing like where kyle is not quite as dumb as he looks and roman is a lot dumber than he thinks he is so sometimes they and they have the haircuts to match too so so sometimes they really match wits at the right (laughs) level where you get a lot of great comedy that ensues and then eventually kyle is going to help um, another vendor, like the coffee guy that's working the party, get the X Men comic, so like so pulls it out from under, under Roman. Um, yeah. Um, there's a funny con- convo that Kyle has with uh, Stiltskin about um about wives. You know, like Leonard's explaining to him, he's like, third wife, no kid. You got to put your foot down." And Kyle's like, "But my plan only calls for two wives." <laughs> You know, and we recall that he, on at his daughter's bar mit, uh, bat mitzvah, Kyle tried to hook up with, uh, you know, Mrs. Stiltskin, mm-hmm. and that didn't go so well because his teeth had been whitened. So yeah. he turns around and kind of tries to hide from her when she comes up to the bar, but then she orders a drink from him. He turns back and he's like, hey, well, that could have, like, that's super awkward. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, we hooked up once. And she's like, we did? I don't remember. And he's must, like, well, it must I have remember. not been that good. Yeah, and it must have not been that good. Well, guess what? It wasn't. So it really she had wasn't. every right to erase that from her memory. Um, but yeah, I, I just love that little tidbit that we follow through from the last uh, episode we yeah. saw them together in. So either way, it's it's really great. I think I, I enjoyed this episode a lot. And like, luckily, we see at the end of the episode that Annie is able to meet the goal. She's mm-hmm. able to get this like long, you know, sought for recommendation to get her child into the the preschool it's all going to work out um you know the tom hanks ruse worked and you know we're gonna see everybody succeed at this uh at the end of the day and and good and good for annie i'm happy for her you know like this whole like you have to get your kid into the right preschool i mean it's like this kid was going to be fine all these hollywood kids are going to be fine or they won't but it has nothing to do with what school they go to. That's true. And so. I have to say that that tends to happen with a lot of these like types of like higher end neighborhoods and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, guys, just relax. It's going to be okay. Just talk to your kids and be nice to them. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's probably yeah. more important. Yeah. Um, there was uh, I did want to track a little bit of Lydia in this episode. She has an obvious cast on her arm that nobody notices. And yeah. like, Henry assigns her all this prep work that she can't <laughs> even do. And then it's like not until the very end when Henry finally notices Lydia's arm while she's trying to put saran wrap on something one hand. And she's like, oh, so sweet that you noticed. It's so good. 
Yeah, she's like tapping at it at certain points. She's like, I'm just going to go melon ball with my one good hand. Like, you know, all of these moments where she's trying to kind of like subtly mm-hmm. drop that like, hey, my range of motion's not so great. I can't get my hand wet. Like I have a full cast on one yeah. arm. Uh, but yeah, I love it. It's it's so great. Um, and she also um, she also is trying to get this lunch with Tom Hanks uh, for Escapade because she knows that Tom Hanks will just love Escapade if he meets her. Yeah, and she's like trying to figure out the math behind it in order to bid, and everyone's like, "No!" And we also overheard that like he can like he's not a get like they're not going to be able to provide him, so like don't do it. And she's like, "Well, I just think," and they're like, "Oh my god! All right, whatever, Lydia." Um, but yeah, all's well that ends well. Everything sort of works out for Annie. You know, we're seeing the cast sort of getting more comfortable with like the new rotation of, of you know, people working together. And it's just another excellent party that uh, we get to witness. Another really great party. So this one, we think this is probably a Ron Donald downer. He loses his car. He loses Mandy. <laughs> That's my car. That's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Too bad. It's too bad. Um, there were a couple of uh of funny uh lines in here I want to call out when um when uh Casey is talking about how this Judd Apatow movie would validate every decision she's made in her life. Um Henry says, Good to keep all your eggs in one place where you can keep an eye on them. <laughs> um and then uh the uh and when when uh roman is being abusive to kyle he says you know the difference between you and james vanderbeek's parrot the parrot can deliver a line that's harsh that's way harsh, harsh ty um <laughs> and uh leonard thinks that it's stupid for people to bid on the lunch for with pe- tom hanks who wants to meet tom hanks to which his wife points out you once told me you drink two pints of ape sperm to play pebble beach with tiger woods to which stiltskin respond responds yeah but that's sports sports are cool <laughs> said somebody in the entertainment industry <laughs> This is the ta- this is the guy producing movies. No right. wonder no wonder Roman is so offended. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh man, I love it. <laughs> Emily, are you ready for episode 13, which is <laughs> Nick DeCintio's De orgy night? Listen, it's a surprise. everyone in this episode is surprised to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. I think a lot of people are caught off guard. It's certainly not clear in the invites, even though Nick seems to think that it was. Mm -hmm. This is a straight-up orgy. This is a full-blown sex party. You didn't watch Eyes Wide Shut? What did you think this was going to be? And a lot of people show up with masks. They got Uh that memo. So they They knew that much about Eyes Wide Shut. Right, right. We have have topless... Uh, women sort of standing mm-hmm. around holding trays of food, or and also, and also lube and condoms. yeah, 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 yeah. Like exactly, we have a lot of that happening. Mm-hmm. Party down is just trying to be cool and like work their way through this, and you know. But Nick needs a lot of coaching. Nick <laughs> needs a lot of coaching. Nick Tintio played by my beloved Thomas Lennon, who is another alumnus from the state Mm -hmm. um it's great to see him here so now we've had joe latrulio and now tom lennon and i know we have at least one more coming um if i'm not forgetting anybody um and he's you know we we um you know john hodge oh this was another i was a i was a co-host on the um I, or I was a guest on the poker face podcast okay we guest poker show poker 
Face podcast last week and they had a John Hodgman uh, cameo where he is really, really bad at buying drugs. And um, <laughs> and here Tom Lennon is really, really bad at hosting an orgy. I mean, like, listen, if you've never done it before, I could imagine it's like very nerve wracking, right? Especially when people show up and they didn't understand what you were putting out there. Like, that's a lot of pressure to be like, okay, like, I gotta like get this back on track. How do I do it? And he's like, just really exasperated ultimately about mm -hmm. everyone's lack of understanding and honestly he just needs a couple drinks right yes yeah yeah he's so so he's like uh recently coming out of a divorce it sounds mm -hmm. like you know he's a kind of a kindred spirit with roman like he doesn't have any inhibitions like we know that roman had you know told us about at the sensation party um <laughs> And luckily, Roman is there because while Roman hasn't attended any orgies, he has read a lot on the topic. He's a reader. <laughs> yeah. He, he's read mm -hmm. a lot. Uh... <laughs> um, so he has a lot of ideas yes. for um, how to um, how to pull this off. So the the most important thing is grouping, Emily. Yes. Yes. You have to have the right people together. Mm -hmm. You have to you... cluster the yes. more active people mm -hmm. together mm -hmm. and let them get things going. And then the more passive people will see that it's okay. And Nick is like, oh, okay, great, great, great. I'm glad you're on it. Let's, let's work on this. And like Roman is, he's never been as dedicated to his job, Emily, as he yeah. is. In this he's really laser focused here and it's upsetting in a lot of ways, but also classically Roman. So what do we, what do we expect? Right. Uh He's going to try to get some party goers to do body shots. And he's particularly interested in this one party guest who, you know, has, um, you know, who has certain physical attributes that he thinks would particularly lead themselves to body shots. Yes. Um, but there's other people who are more interested in volunteering for the body shot uh, experience. So this is um, Ian Roberts is here playing one of the party guests who's like one of the original Upright Citizen Brigade founders who's a very funny guy. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, hey, I'll do it. So like this, this guy like sort of takes his shirt shirt off and like Roman's explaining, no, no, it has to be like it's better for the woman to do it. Um, and like, you know, so he's, he, you know, he's get, reaching, you know, some frustration here and executing this exactly <laughs> the way to, um, Kyle is going to run into some, one of his acquaintances from, I think, I don't know if this is for like an audition or an acting class, yeah. also working the party. Um, but she's really not interested in getting hit on while she's masked and topless in this party it seems like she's having an existential moment yeah um, well, she's work for hire she's not interested in partaking she's just mm -hmm. here to do a job and that is to stand there and sort of look you know enticing but to hand out products for what should be happening later on yeah and that's yeah. kind of it and like she's pretty disillusioned with the entire scenario and Kyle's trying to be like, yeah, like, let's talk, let's hang out. And, he, and she's just not picking up what he's putting down. Mm -hmm. and very, very frustrated by being engaged by him so much. Yeah. Which I can get like, you know, it's not like your proudest moment, probably if you're mm -hmm. if you're a hired person to be doing something like this. And especially if you're thinking about the context of actual Eyes Wide Shut, 
where there are a lot of women standing around that look like this and then they end up actually being prostitutes i believe in the yeah, movies so yeah. like there's a lot of like heavy assumptions being thrown at her as somebody who's hired to be there but like obviously she's like no no no, no i'm not partaking yeah and there's like layers of this because mm-hmm. she and she's also going to like hold up the mirror to kyle and just say like hey we're just wannabe actors yeah. working these dehumanizing jobs right now we're like both working this orgy and i don't really feel like having friendly <laughs> chit chat about it yeah that's fair <laughs> so i don't know i think yeah. like there's some there's a lot of truth being told from her her perspective and i totally get it and kyle's just like oh okay all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic so, kyle so yeah so so kyle gets like morose about it yeah and he actually goes to confide in Roman and asks Roman if he thinks that he's going to make it as an actor. And Roman, like, kind of reluctantly is a supportive friend yeah. about this. And, like, Kyle's like, really, really, do you mean it? Roman says, who are you going to believe? Some bitter wannabe who's pissed from working a shitty dehumanizing job? Or me? <laughs> Which, like, you know, either scenario is not ideal for Kyle, but, you know, I think that there is a level of of Mm -hmm. Roman trying to show up and be human for a second, and that's appreciated in even the smallest of quantities, so... I think that that's it's kind of a touching moment, even if it's kind of sweet between this and like the last episode where, um, you know, Roman does kind of reluctantly say like, no, you're a good actor, like even though it's coerced under false pretenses, like it does seem like there's maybe a modicum of tenderness here between the two of them, which which is nice. I do like that. Yeah, for Um, sure. And um, speaking of people who are kind of uncomfortable with the whole working of an orgy, um, Casey's not thrilled. She seems like pretty unhappy with men in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would be upset, too, if I walked into the scenario. Spoiler, guys, you don't even have to ask me, Dr. Amanda. I have (laughs) never catered an orgy. And I probably would not say yes to doing that. Yeah. So, just, so everybody, don't bother yeah. writing into post show no. recap yeah, asking yeah. if Emily Fox will cater your orgy. <laughs> so I sorry. I maybe did. like a drop off. I could like you know like hand you the platters of food mm. before things got started. You know, I'm always open to something like that. But like that's it. Uh, no, thank you. But yeah. it, and it, I did volunteer to help you cater your 20th high school reunion. That's but I true. Do not, I would not. I would not help with this, Emily. I'm okay, sorry. that's fair. <laughs> no, we all have our boundaries. It's yes. really important to express them to let everybody know. Uh, this is a hard line. We're gonna say no to. Uh huh. <laughs> um. But yeah, Casey's upset, and I don't blame her. She's sort of like, I don't want to even be out there. Like, let me just be in the back. Like, please don't let me like make me have to engage whatsoever. And I don't blame her. I would no. feel the same way. Um. And, you know, Ron is is not in the best shape either <laughs> because everything reminds him of Mandy. Mandy loves cheese. He's talking to the party guests about Mandy. Um, she Nick had a not- lot of layers that we didn't get to see clearly because he, he seemed cheese. to have a, a genuine mm-hmm. connection there. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Um, yes. Um, so he's being melancholy and killing the mood. So there's like the number of people who can like handle this party is like dwindling. Like there's not a lot of people in the mix. Um, And, and Henry has a lot going on because um, Uda has been calling him throughout this party because she's very upset because her fish is sick. Um, (laughs) Totally normal problems. (laughs) 
I didn't even know you could tell if a fish was sick. Like my, I, I thought fish just had like alive and dead as well. I mean, is, is this horrible? Am I a no, horrible person? No, it's not horrible. Okay. I mean, it's the kind of thing where I guess it depends. Like it, it, this seems like a koi fish or something like that, like a, a relatively yeah. sizable fish. So you probably can see it emote a little bit easier than mm. say a goldfish or a guppy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did have a goldfish growing up oh. who would play this game of like, oh, I might be dying. And you're like, no, 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 no. And so she would turn upside down, but she'd still swim around. Uh -huh. uh, so that wasn't great, but she lived to be about nine or 10 years old. Wow. Emily. That? Oh my God. Is yeah. that in the Guinness book of world records? Is I don't know, but Jesse, the goldfish, she lived wow. a long time oh and she God. had a disease exactly. that she gave to every other fish that swam with her. <laughs> so they would all succumb to this over survival time. of the, yeah, of the yeah. fittest. She wow. was a bit of a loner at the end, but Jesse, the fish. So yeah, there were moments where I'd be like, what a legend. I know. What a legend. <laughs> I haven't talked about Jesse the fish like ever really. So there, there we are. It's on the record. So I'm so honored that you shared that with me. <laughs> Listen, we're, we're getting really close here. So it's important for you to know some of these things. But yeah. Um, I guess you can tell if a, a, a fish is sick, especially a large one. And, and you know what? Those, those big fish are expensive. So like, I yeah. get it. You know, mm -hmm. it's worth and, being upset about. And as Casey tells Henry, eventually it's not about the fish. It's about the kid. The kid's going to be upset. So mm -hmm. she's stressing out and they have this moment where it's like, you know, if you, if you're going to, you know, if you're a member of the species, right. And you're going to be involved with women, you have to deal with this. And then we find out what Casey's upset is that she, she says, well, I was on Paul's computer this morning and it was just like porn. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> womp, womp. it's like yep, yep so she found porn on her boyfriend's computer and they like have this kind of bonding moment in the bathroom and it's sweet and they sort of end with like okay we're not going to be awkward it's going to be good yeah. to yeah. work together in the midst of an orgy party amidst an orgy party <laughs> um yeah, Henry and Ron, like, at one point have to take one of the party guests who gets too drunk home. They don't quite get him home, but they do dump him on some random lawn somewhere. Um, and we get a little bit more about um, Henry and Uda's relationship. Like, we find out that she's nice and it's good, but, like, you know, Henry sort of complains that she talks down to him. Um, yeah, like and we've seen her do that. Yeah, she's she's pretty brutal, so it's not a surprise to me that he's she's real. This. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about our dear friend Lydia Emily. <laughs> so she is seeing just a golden opportunity mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. You know, she's been single for a while. She sees Nick in his house. He's super successful. I think he's a lawyer, right? That sounds right. Yeah. That's my favorite kind of law, the one you just said. There you go. Uh, and she is like, maybe this is an opportunity for me. You know, I haven't been with someone in a really long time. Doesn't seem like anybody else is really like getting into this the way that I could potentially do. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, he just needs a, a woman in his life. He needs a feminine touch. Right. Mm -hmm. So she, he brings everybody into the, uh, F room as mm -hmm. we will say on here. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just ever so, you know, carefully, uh, censor myself. But he invites everybody in. He's stripped down totally naked. Everybody else is still fully clothed and kind of like, yeah, we're going in here. But he's like, no, why are you in here? Like, this is the place to do it. And you guys aren't doing it. Like, I'm trying so hard here. Yeah. This is not a good look, luck, people. If, a good look. If you're hosting an orgy and people aren't getting into it. <laughs> 
like standing up and and complaining and berating people like this isn't a winning approach yeah and he's like getting on his high horse about like i am the only man and like i am divorced like my wife and like this whole thing where why does the whole world have the same hang-ups as my ex-wife yeah yeah so he's like really trying to make this happen but it's just not the right vibe at all he's coming at it a little too hard And so Lydia kind of feels for him and is like, maybe this is my chance. And so she comes into his room and he's like naked on the bed, like very upset, almost like a little kid would be like, both Joe Luchulio and Tom Lennon go like full Full butt, full butt, full full moon. We call that FB, full butt. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they like, he's just like kind of curled up in a fetal position on Mm -hmm. the bed, really upset. She kind of tries to lean in and comfort him, but then people start gotta be a lot of hard work hosting an orgy so much stress yeah yeah so she's trying to kind of feel it out a little bit see if she can get in and then everybody kind of crowds her and mm-hmm. like is like yeah everybody's like yeah let's get it it starts yeah. to get a little bit sexy we eventually find out that um you know things didn't it didn't really like execute according no. to plan but there it, was it some was, percolation but not yeah. much beyond that i would it say. was enticing enough to nick that he's gonna stay single for many many years <laughs> to come which is much to lydia's chagrin yes a missed opportunity for her but you know yeah what do you I, do? I love when lydia says to casey men aren't like us to them sex is a big deal like sports <laughs> or flags i love that i was like flags <laughs> Like I thought I heard that wrong and I actually rewound it because I was like, flags. Okay. Lydia's got a lot of baggage from that first marriage. She sure does. does. And we are not done hearing about it for for sure. So it's it's pretty great. But yeah, unsuccessful orgy, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone um, tried their best. Everyone tried their best. Um, good job on this one. Do we have do we we didn't crown this this do we have a caterer of the week? I think that Roman is the caterer of the week. He really got out of his comfort zone and tried to direct this to the extent that he could. Mm Was he successful? I don't know. But he did bring in some important p- uh, pointers, mm-hmm. I think. I Nick. saw a level of dedication to the yes. job that I haven't yet seen from him. Correct. Um, and is this, this is, I think, is this a Ron Donald do or a Ron Donald don't this episode? <sighs> he was so melancholy. He was so sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really tried to hold it together. I kind of feel for him in this because he's just mm. really hitting, you know, not quite rock bottom, but he's getting there. Yeah, he does. Like, he does have that moment, like when when he and Henry go off to try to get this drunk guy home, like they have this kind of bonding moment. Yeah. It feels like, you know, he's back with it feels like he might be on the up swing. Um, yeah. But I think we're still in the down phase. I think yeah. the hair <laughs> is the deciding factor. We know yeah, what that right. means. Um, yeah. Another funny line I just want to call out before we leave this episode is from Tom Lennon, who delivers, you know, guys, you're kidding me. It's not the polite conversation room. It's the F room. (laughs) Yeah, the use of the F room generally. It's so funny, too. And it's like a normal like room. It's not like there's anything specific in there where you're like, oh, yeah, Robin says a room is where an F room is where people are effing. That's just a room. Yeah, that's just a room. So things for Nick to think about for the next time, but you know, live and learn. That's right. That's right. 
All right. Shall we move on to a funeral, which is the opposite of life? <laughs> yes, the opposite of uh, making life, as one might That's do right. in that room, yes. is the end of life. We really get the full human experience here yes. in uh, Party Down. And this is episode four of season two, James Ellison Funeral, directed by Fred Savage, written by John Enbaum and Dan Etheridge. Oh, and this is the episode that prompted my retweet. <laughs> Oh, it did. Okay. This week. Yeah. One of my, if you haven't listened to one of my podcasts before, I do love talking about what a great job I'm doing on Twitter on a podcast (laughs) because I am a master of the form, people. Um, So certainly um, better at it than I am because I didn't even notice this. So, you know, that says everything. um, Yeah. So, um, so, well, we'll, we'll, I'll I'll wait till the natural point in the episode um, that relates to this tweet. But this is a funeral reception, the party down is catering, which I have to say, go, go with Valhalla when it's as serious as a funeral. Mm -hmm. You don't want to, I think you really need to try to leave, uh, you know, leave nothing to chance. Um, and, um, this is, um, in this episode, there's, um, this is again, one of the episodes, there's a few of these where party down, I think tries to deal with race relations in ways (laughs) that I wonder, like if it's, entirely successful and i think about how this would be different if this show yeah. was airing today but this is uh but they the- do a good job of capturing just how cringeworthy everybody is so i think yes. that there is something to be said for that because i think that a lot of white people are still very cringeworthy when interacting mm-hmm. in scenarios like this <laughs> yeah so um so James Ellison, um, it's his funeral and um, this is a black family and all the attendees of the funeral are black. And this is like a man who was like a very successful career and had, um, you know, like had um, NAACP awards. And so there's like, and then there's this one white woman who shows up at the funeral and she's there to pay her respects and is very emotional and people wonder why she's there. And there's a lot of speculation, which is true that she might be a mistress of the deceased. And um, the daughter of the deceased is very concerned about her mother finding out. We hear um, the widow is played by Loretta Devine, who has had a, you know, a really, um, you know, a really great acting career thing yes that you I might love her know her from like she's in she was in dreams girls um you know she is in uh was she in Grey's Anatomy as well um yeah waiting to exhale yeah so, waiting to exhale I love her character in that movie oh, so. um and um and uh She talks about her ex, like she talks about her late husband during the episode is like being a crock pot and that you don't want like giving advice to Henry and Casey and various people throughout the episode that you don't want want, fireworks. You want that slow simmer. Yes. That just is there day after day for 20, 30 years. And that's what she had uh, with her husband. James um and um and then when they're finally be kind of becomes obvious that uh the that this other woman is really a mistress um instead of her being upset or offended we find out like oh that there was an open relationship and of yeah. course there was and like they would have gotten bored years ago and she's fine with it and they like she welcomes her um so so that's sort of the the setup of the episode here um this is like a particularly rough episode for Ron. 
<laughs> it's one of the roughest, I would say. Mm. He's just like a total mess in this. He's he... just Ron Donald dust in the wind. Here. Yeah, yeah. He basically gets stuck in a coffin smoking a joint and is revealed like he goes missing. And then at the end of the episode, they find him and kind of pull him out of it. And he's like, I got to make some changes. Like, <laughs> am, am I alive? Like, what's happening? I saw yeah. everything. Like, so he really hits rock bottom here. He he basically hot boxes himself in this coffin mm-hmm. and just gets so high and like can't handle anything. And like, you know, he was teetering before he got stuck in the coffin, but he was just like in such a bad place. And it's so clear that he is just like at his wits end and needs to hit rock bottom. And here we are. And rock bottom is literally a coffin. Yeah. I mean, he's thinking about the state of his life, like as funerals often, you know, make you do. And he's thinking like, well, what would people say at my funeral? What here lies Ronald Wayne Donald repeated first grade because he couldn't figure out scissors first in his class to master a keg stand partied for 20 years ran a soup place for five months never did anything never won anything never mattered um it's uh it's you know it's it's, heavy it's heavy stuff i you know i do i really do mean that i think ed marina brings a lot of pathos that really moves me about rod i do i love ron um and it's funny that we actually see that he's holding up the whole procession line (laughs) by like standing with the casket um, reflecting here um so that's what's going on with ron in this episode um there's a lot of conversation that the Roman sort of injects himself into here about like whether or not, um, you know, like he when when Roman figures out that this party guest that this uh, that this funeral guest is probably a mistress, he says that we should tell the the widow immediately. Like, yeah. you know, he's like he tells like they're, they're like Henry in case you're sort of like, hey, like this is her daughter right here. And he's like, oh, yeah, we got to tell your mom right away. <laughs> and there's this conversation about whether honesty, like whether you should always be honest. Yeah. Is and it the best policy in a scenario it's like that? The best policy. And, um, you know. Casey. So Casey, to be illustrative here, says, you know, remember that script that you showed me about the intelligent fungus <laughs> and I and I said it was good um and she's like it was actually trash we made fun of it all the time um and he's like well you're just trying to prove a point you don't even really mean that <laughs> yeah but they're like this is an example of that time like you shouldn't say everything that you feel you know maybe it's worth holding back some of these things like mm-hmm. we made fun of this for a really long time and they're like quoting it and yeah. laughing to each other so, yeah, it's it's very funny, like how he sort of gets like caught up in like the the interpersonal politics mm-hmm. of like everything that's going on. Um, he also makes a lot of really inappropriate inquiries about the exact semantics of jungle fever, which yeah. is something that he really didn't need to talk about. But everybody yes. sort of calls him all like and he claims to be colorblind. Yeah, and he's then, saying and, like all of like the triggering shit that like people say. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, no, yeah. don't yeah. do that. And then one of the guests says, yeah. And if like, you know, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. And yep. he's like, exactly. <laughs> um, but Emily, so. What I realized when I was watching this is that Roman wrote a script about intelligent 
fungus. And it's called The Last of Us. And it's called <laughs> The Last of Us. And this no. is what I tweeted, that The Last of Us is actually a ripoff of Roman script from Party Down. And I have two screenshots with the uh, captions on. Okay, and this perfect. is the tweet that got retweeted by Dan Etheridge. And I, I was love like, that. I was like, sweet. He's like, damn right. That was my idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, first it's, you know, Abraham Lincoln vampire mm-hmm. killer. And then this. I mean, hey. You know? This is a party down was really ahead of its time. It's like, and again, I think this goes to my point. It's like ideas that sounded like really silly parody in 2010 is like just now what movies and TV is. (laughs) I know everyone's like, roll that out. That's production, you know, number 25 for us. Let's go. And you're like, oh my God. (laughs) Um, Kyle, he is very interested in learning more about the blues. Yeah, this is like awful or you're just like what are you doing what are you doing yeah so like he you know he's like you know he's trying to he's trying to share that he has the experience to speak about the blues he's like you know like i did this movie that was supposed to bump me up to b-list but it goes straight to video and the yoga mom i was hooking up with stopped calling me and my xbox is weird it's like mm, it's just You're like this is like not real problems at yeah. all <laughs> so one of the party guests has a really good time screwing with him yeah. um, which we all enjoy watching which, as viewers yeah, which we're is like, very yep. well deserved there yes. um so, um, yeah, I mean, anything else from this episode? I think that, um, oh, it's, Roman eventually finds Lydia's earring, which he dropped. In oh, yeah, the, I love that. Of course, his mouth. And, and she's is- like surprised that it's a dead body. She's like, oh, no. And they're like, yeah, we're at a funeral home. What did you think it was? But yeah, she loses her earring when she's like bending over like earlier and it falls into the coffin. And mm-hmm. everyone's just like, can you please like get away from my father? Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just like comedic excellence and like you know cringeworthy stuff in a lot of mm-hmm. this because everybody is just like in their worst behaviors yeah, basically yeah. like being their most you know selves do we have a caterer of the week this of the episode this week emily who is doing the best job um at the james ellison funeral i would say casey's doing a pretty good job because she's yeah. just trying to keep everybody at bay she's like trying to like reduce whatever conflict might come up from the the mistress versus the wife mm-hmm. You know, she's just trying to be kind of like a good sort of steady presence amongst everybody. Yeah. Henry, I think, does a good job. He, like, coaches the mistress on, like, how to say vague things. And, like, at some point he's, you know, he's like, you don't have to lie, just act. He's like, most actors aren't bright, so it has to be simple. (laughs) And she's like, oh, okay. (laughs) But, yeah, she drinks, like, way too much Mm -hmm. wine to be able to get through that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work out the way that she would hope. Um, But, you know, ultimately it ends up being sort of fine in the grand scheme of things. mm But yeah, and then it's definitely a Ron Downer. For a Ron, sure. Yeah, Ron, a Ron, Ron Donald Downer. L- yeah. Luckily, not down six feet under. No. But um, yeah, but um, you know, sometimes maybe you just need to get stuck uh, in a coffin hot while high to to really pick your life back yeah, up. Yeah, to reconsider your choices. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that I think takes us to episodes five of season two steve gutenberg berg's birthday this episode aired on may 21st 2010 directed by brian gordon and written by john Enbaum and dan etheridge this really feels like a mid-season finale this is a yes. perfect place to stop this is like i think one of the most iconic party down yes episodes. yeah definitely 
I actually had not seen it until this, this, this podcast Uh was born basically. And so we were hanging out with uh, our friend, Kevin Mahadeo and his wife, Robin there. Yeah. Yeah. And Robin was like, we got to watch the Gutenberg episode. And I was uh-huh. like, I have not seen it. So absolutely, let's do it together. So the four of us sat down and put it on. And it was immediately clear to me that I would just have tears streaming down my face <laughs> from laughing so hard. Yeah. I love the Goot in this. Love the very goot. good. He's yeah. very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, just seems like an all around nice guy who's invested his funds mm-hmm. in a lot of art and a lot of wine. Yes. yes. Um, seems like he's really just down to hang out. And, you know, the, the entire scenario that he has created in which he forgot to cancel catering, mm-hmm. doesn't want the food to go to waste and invites everybody to stay and potentially bring a friend or two on, like in so that they can have a party together. I mean, who does that? That's that's a very, you know, kind thing. It's a yeah. little weird, but it's also very cute, you know, in a lot of ways. So yeah, he's great. I mean, like I have to say, like my my experience with the Gutenberg outside of this episode, it's like really his um, you know, his work in the 80s and 90s. Right. I feel like that's where he falls. Like that that you know, th- that's where his legend comes from. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 very similar to, oh, I don't know how Lydia thinks he's Ted Danson, but yes. there is a there's a through line to that, right? Uh-huh, like he's, uh-huh. he's certain iconic actors yeah. who really thrive from a certain time period or an era, and we grew up with that era. Mm-hmm. So, like, we think of him as being, like, this, like, consummate, like, 80s mm-hmm. star. Well, Ted Danson is, like, having a third act like Listen, nobody's business. If you ever wanted to start a Ted Danson podcast, Ooh, I would do that with intrigued. you. That he is... stayed in our neighborhood maybe like 10 years ago now. Uh-huh. And I saw him on the street like three times in a row. And I Whoa. just wanted to be like, Ted, Ted? <laughs> where are you going? And why are you here? Like, I, th- I think that's he very working exciting. on something. Yeah. That's very exciting. And like everybody in the neighborhood was like, did you just see Ted Danson? Like all of us were mm-hmm, very psyched mm-hmm. about it. It was very cute. Um but yeah, uh, it, there's like a certain prestige 80s film star, mm-hmm. you know, sheen that comes with. Yeah, with he w- and he and he. Yeah, he was up there. He definitely yeah. um, had a, a prime. And so, Emily, I have to ask, have you ever catered Steve Gutenberg's birthday party? I haven't, but I would <laughs> oh, love I'm to. Sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. I know, yeah. Steve, if you're listening, uh-huh. happy to fly to L.A. If you have a New York spot, that mm. is easier for me. But, you know, mm-hmm. just let me know. I, I could make some some sandwiches, you know, whatever if, if you want. He shows, if, if you show up to Steve Gutenberg's party and yes. he's already had at a birthday party with his friends and he tells you that everybody should invite their friends can you give me a call absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah 100 yeah no it makes zero sense for me to call josh i would call you <laughs> i'm totally yeah in. you would appreciate the wine mm. you would you know you and i could stand i would back appreciate and, i would appreciate the art yeah the art we could stand back and try to you know this does just look like swiggles very good <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So that's the premise here that Steve Gutenberg <laughs> booked party down for his birthday. But then mm-hmm. when he had the surprise party the night before, he forgot to cancel. But now since they have all the food, he's already lost the deposit. Why not have a party and everybody can invite their friends um, to just kind of hang out and party with the Goot? Yeah. Um, yeah. Very exciting. So um, Kyle is going to invite Colette, who is a woman from his acting class. 
Um, who he's trying to sleep with. <laughs> what a who surprise. Who he's trying to sleep with. Um, Roman is going to invite his writing partner, Kent Goebbels, but not <laughs> like the Nazi war propaganda propagandist, like the rodent, but with an E instead of an I. That's how you can remember that. Um, yes, but we all recognize this wonderful character as McLovin from Superbad. As McLovin, Christopher Mintz-Plasz is yes. uh, playing the role of uh, of Roman's writing partner, which is really perfect because we have Martin Starr and Christopher Mintz-Plasz, who are both in this like Judd Apatow universe, yes. playing the same character in various different <laughs> projects. So to have them here together is mm -hmm. um, is is really delightful. They're working on a script um, together, and that's going to be a major focus of the episode. Um, Lydia also brings somebody who's her neighbor. Uh, what's her neighbor's name? Do you happen to know? Oh, I forgot. It, but she's she's lovely. She's just this like Latina woman that lives across the hall. And mm -hmm. Lydia's like, yeah, we're getting to know people. I just moved in. <laughs> so I just decided to invite my neighbor. But this woman ends up being really fun, too. She's she fun, enjoys yeah. her time. Yeah. I, love, I love how like Goodberg says, you, you two seem very close. <laughs> like They clearly don't <laughs> know anything like, about yeah, it. Yeah, we don't know each other at yeah. all. She's like, and are you from Brazil? And she's like, no. Like, <laughs> just like no further question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you um, know, it's it's just so classically Lydia to be like the nice woman that asks the other nice woman across the hall to come mm -hmm. to this party, but also is just like super weird and like kind of they they just don't know Pretty each other awkward. that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the main the main uh, crux of this episode is that you know. The Gutenberg is very, very interested in like how everybody has these Hollywood careers and aspirations. And he sort of, um, you know, Mrs. Gomez, sorry, Mrs. Gomez, go. wonderful. <laughs> and so he is, um, you know, reminiscing about his time when he was a caterer just getting started and how fun that was. So he wants to find out what everybody's working on. And, um, you know, Roman and Kent are not actors, they're writers. So Gutenberg's interested in they're working on a script and he wants to see it or they're talking about the notes that they got back from a producer and and Stephen has some advice that you know if you've never heard your words like performed before it's like this could help give you inspiration for a rewrite this is how we do it in the theater we rewrote we rewrote this entire script and production and yada yada so Roman is like very hesitant to do this he's nervous <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's sort of like Gollum with the stuff that he works on. It's mm -hmm. like my precious. I don't want to like do too much. You don't want to change too much. Mm -hmm. And also like there's an ego that comes along with a lot of what Roman's worked on. You know, like he's like not really like open to feedback because he thinks whatever he's created for the most part is perfect. Right. Is, you know, sort of like finalized and done, like move it on. I don't want to hear feedback from other people like yeah. this is perfect. Well, it's easy to think you're a genius when your work doesn't see the light of day. Yeah, when things are unchallenged, yeah. for sure. <laughs> when but you are once, unchallenged. <laughs> but once you put it out there and, you know, and there's going to be a lot of uh, Steve Gutenberg saying making art is an act of courage. And do you know, do you know who said that, Emily, actually? Making art is an act of courage? No, I don't. It was Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> That's who said that. That's who said that. But um. <laughs> He, he's going to say, you know, no, no risk, no reward. You have right. to put yourself out there. Art is courageous. And Roman is not a particularly courageous person. So no. this is very uncomfortable for him. Um, but eventually they do the scene. So we learn about, you know, what Roman's hard sci-fi 
looks like. Yeah, and it's just like misogynist, like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. excess. Basically, the female characters are a robot and a slave girl. Who, yeah, who's and the slave girl's like extent is like saves everybody and then dies without yeah. ceremony. Yeah, and like her face is ruined or something like that too. And they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So it's. It's pretty typical Roman style, I mm-hmm. want to say, in that, like, there's not a lot of thought about the opposite sex other than to be there for mm-hmm. as, like, a sex object or a conduit to a story in which men prevail. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, huge surprise there. No. Um, but, you know, they they do the first run through and it seems like, you know, they're getting some pretty good feedback to actually improve the mm-hmm, script. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have Henry, we have Kyle, we have um, Colette, Colette and, Casey. and Casey acting out these these various the, roles the, the dream team of actors yes. yes. <laughs> Correct. Um, and then and, and and Lydia and Mrs. Gomez also have a very important role they're the audience without yes. whom none of this would be uh the, all of this would be for nothing so um, so it's fun because it kind of coaxes Henry also out of his um comfort zone gets him back into acting a little bit at some point um Casey discovers a DVD of one of Henry's indie films and watches it and discovers that he's actually a really good actor. And this leads her to sort of goading him into giving it more in the rewrite. Um, And so after the rewrite, we have like a much improved script granted i mean i like would i pay to see this movie no, no. but it's but 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 like the but characters have motivation and yeah. point of view and yeah. emotions yeah yeah they're doing a little bit better at like creating fully formed characters basically mm-hmm. um so you know it, it does feel like there's some success in workshopping this to the extent that they do even though roman's very kind of like grumbling about it but then it does come off as a better production overall but meanwhile, while all of this is happening, mm. we've got Ron, mm-hmm. yes. who's still acting like a caterer throughout mm-hmm. all of this. It right? was important to him, Casey, that he worked the party, yes. even though there's there's actually no there's party happening. Literally no party and everyone can serve themselves. But sure, go ahead, Ron. But we've noticed that he's cleaned up his act again. So mm-hmm. his hair is short. Mm-hmm. He has gotten into AA. He's feeling really good about it. You know, even though there's a lot of wine around him, he's not tempted. He's feeling like pretty clean and sober and ready to take this job seriously and act as, as you know, a server during this party. And what we come to find out is that he has accidentally dropped a shrimp mm-hmm. in Steve Gutenberg's extraordinarily expensive what is it? Uh, it's a, it's a, it, it looks like a fish tank, but yeah. I guess it's like iceberg water and they pay $10,000 a year. To yeah. Import, it's a Koontz. Yeah. It's a Koontz to import fresh iceberg water to refill this. But he's yeah. like, how did he do this? He dropped a shrimp cocktail and it's stuck in the filter. So Ron does what any reasonable person would do. He calls his AA sponsor, who also <laughs> happens to be, I don't know, like a, what is he, a He's like a plumber or, or something. something. Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. Um, and at first the, the, um, at first the AA sponsor thinks like that Ron needs support because right, he's, he's like holding a, a tray of wine. Surrounded yeah. by wine. So yeah, um, he's like, oh, have you been tempted? Are you drinking? And he's like, no, 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 no. I need you here specifically to fix this problem. This shrimp fell into the filter and now it's clogged. And the guy's like, wait a second, you, you called me to fix the filter? Like, I thought you were drinking again. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No. 
<laughs> Isn't that yeah. what AA is for? <laughs> and while Ron is not tempted by wine because he's more of a beer guy, um, this man clearly is. knows fine wine and sees what Steve Gutenberg is serving and becomes really tempted. He falls off the wagon, leading yeah. to hit him calling his sponsor, who then shows up. And it's eventually Ron's like, well, are you? are you going to clean the filter? <laughs> and this guy's like, I don't think you understand AA. Like, why would you call him over here? Like, now I have to deal with, like, helping him. And he's like, yeah, I got too drunk to finish the job. <laughs> yeah. So... So that's oh, not Ron. that's not great for Ron. No, um, never that, is. That's an that's that's really an abuse of AA. I have mm-hmm. to say. That's and not. he gets kicked out eventually, right? Like they decide that he shouldn't be in it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, which is I is, I understand. <laughs> so um, the second the second run through of Roman's script of Roman and Ken's script is um, is quite moving. Like Henry and Casey really bring a lot to it. Um, Colette is a very convincing robot, um, and she's a, and she's a deep thinker too. Emily, yeah, yeah, she is. She's like talking about all of this sci-fi that she's been reading, and she she's really read, she she's dropping Anne Rand and Young, yeah. which I have to say for me that's red flag, red flag. Get the yeah, hell yeah, yeah. out of there. Sure, but sure. uh, but Kyle is just like realizes he needs to up his game yeah um, but he's like doing it in all the wrong ways he's like i i just ordered that book and like have you ever heard of niche yeah and she's like no this is not how this works yeah. um but uh you know then we have kent mm-hmm. who's kind of like picking up on what she's putting down and being like oh interesting i just started doing this too and she's like oh my god isn't it so cool and he's like yeah it's really cool so like Kent's trying to, like, you know, spit some game here. Uh-huh. See if he can pick Colette up. Colette's sort of playing ball for a little while. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, the best part of the episode, I think, is when he's, like, you, like they're talking, you know, they're sort of, like, having a rap session uh, in a hot tub of yeah. Ed Steve's. Everyone's in their underwear, but they're all enjoying themselves. They all have a glass of wine at this point. Uh, and she's, like, you know, I just, I feel like maybe something you could just focus on more with this script is like fleshing out the robots character mm-hmm. even further. Cause it's so clear that she's just like, write more, you know, part lines for me. For me. Yeah. yeah. I, wa- I want to be able to perform more of this. Yeah. And Kent is like, you know, we could get together sometime and work on that together if you want. And she's like, no, 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 not <laughs> that interested. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, she, so I think she's, she's not that interested in, in Kyle right. or Kent. Ultimately, she does seem a little more interested in the goot who's uh, got the hot tub and the mm-hmm. art and the wine and all mm-hmm. of that. Can't blame her for that. Um, but Henry and Casey have also sort of taken their relationship in a different place here. Yes. Emily. Yeah. We have a little hot tub action. Mm-hmm. I think that they both realize like, first off, Casey, having seen Henry, you know, perform mm-hmm. in person with her and take the role so seriously, even though it's, you know, a four page script. Yeah. I think that sparks a little something for her that coupled with the fact that she just watched this indie film of him. And so she's like, you're really talented. You know that, right? Like you, you're very good at this. Mm -hmm. And then he's sort of picking up on what she's putting down, but also seeing her and just thinking about, you know, hey, they used to be together. There's real chemistry here. And they kissed in the final scene as Mm -hmm. they were acting. And so 
is it only appropriate that they find themselves in the hot tub, just mm. the two of them? They kind of joke about, oh, they've seen all this before. Like, don't feel weird. Like, yeah. let's hop, hop in the hot tub. It's a little too familiar. It's a little too comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And they kiss a little bit more. They so, kiss like, a little bit more. Yeah. And, Hen- and Henry's the one who ultimately pushes her away and says, well, you have you have, you have a boyfriend. I have a girlfriend. We find yeah. out that Casey maybe doesn't have a boyfriend mm-hmm. anymore. And Henry is with Uda, even though we know that maybe that's not all it's cracked up to be. Right. But he says, let's not let it get lost in the shuffle that you left and broke my heart. And yeah. that's when she's like, well, this just got awkward and I'm out of here. Yeah. And then Henry's joined by a naked Steve Gutenberg who says, you really got to take off your underwear because the jets feel great on your balls. <laughs> oh, just a, a perfect way to wrap it. <laughs> What else is there to say than that? Um, there's just a couple other quotes that I that I really yeah 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 from this episode. Um, you know, so Ron is you know this is this is new 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 Ron now. We're in the new new Ron era, and he says, "Don't drift through life." That's my takeaway from being trapped in a coffin while high. And Henry, <laughs> my takeaway is, don't get trapped in a coffin while high. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and I liked Casey's uh, description of Anne Rand. Anne Rand wrote about how awesome, awesome people are. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that's our episode five. Emily, do we have a caterer of the week for this episode? I mean, I think Lydia really Lydia, nails it. Yes. She she's like doing the tasting notes for the wine. Yeah. She's really getting into this artwork where she's like, I don't know. It kind of looks like this. And Gutenberg's like, excellent, Lydia. And she's like, oh my God. She's like, I'm good at this. Yeah. I yeah. think she's got it. I love when she uh when uh when she and Mrs. Gomez are looking at the art together and uh she says, like, you know. Ooh, you you're gonna do a great job with your millions. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Gomez says, I work in the airport. She's like, you could find a million dollars in a bag. <laughs> I know, I love that line. Bless her heart. <laughs> I know, I know. So yeah, Lydia really lived it up for the night. She had a great time, you know, and was just great company for Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the party out of these five, Emily, which one would you most like to go to? I would probably say Steve's. Yeah. That seems like the I right guess, choice. Yeah. I want to say this was like the only party I think where I was like, it looked like they kind of had good food. Yeah. Like they had true. wine and it looked like it looked like there was good food. I feel like this one looked and then, you know, Steve Gutenberg seems lovely to hang out I know. Out with. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Like, you know, Steve, I'd be happy to cater. <laughs> You know, give uh, her a call. Yeah. <laughs> we won't drop any shrimp in your sculpture. That's true. That that's the Emily Fox difference. <laughs> I don't have rogue shrimp cocktail <laughs> flying off platters into things. I try to keep things mm. you know, on even keel, you know, not not making a mess if I can help. Oh. it. <laughs> so, Emily, we have finished the front half of season two of Party Down. Yes. We have five episodes left of Season two, before we get ready for season three, I'm so excited. What can everybody do to keep up with you in the meantime? So I am on Twitter and Instagram at Emelet, which is like omelet, but spelled with an E. You'll see me cooking things. Every once in a while, I post something funny. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm on the social media, but you know, mm-hmm. limited quantities here and there. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely keep up with me there. And Dr. Amanda, what about you? 
Well, you can find me on Twitter where I am at Dr. Amanda R, Dr. Amanda R, occasionally getting retweeted by writers of That's Party Down. Damn right you are. <laughs> um, I'm also um, hosting Emily with somebody you might know, Josh Wiggler. We're co-hosting oh, the- um, I do know him. You do know him. Um, we're co-hosting the Severance Media Club Love podcast. It. We're really excited to be back and doing that every month we're going to be talking about another episode from season one and another piece of media that is severance related in some way what are we going to talk about i don't know we're asking you we're asking you to tell us and um you can let us know by filling out the google form that is uh hosted i think at um postshowrecaps.com slash MDR. Let me just jog my own memory there to see if I am correct. And I'm right. It's postshowrecaps.com slash MDR. Um, So go to that URL and vote on what you want us to watch next. Our second episode is going to come out on the um, anniversary, the one-year anniversary of the severance um, premiere, which is sometime in mid-February. So keep <laughs> keep an eye out for that. I love how mysterious you're being about this. It's completely intentional, Emily. It is. I can I know promise you that. Yes. Um, okay. And um, yeah, so uh, follow us and uh, subscribe to the podcast. And until then, Emily. Are we having fun, fun yet? yet? Yes. <laughs>